0: Almost seemed like late afternoon. I can't believe that you guys started eleven o'clock. Good night. <laughs> that was not a jab at the pastor because I should have said something to him earlier. If it was up to me, no. Turn your Bibles this morning. Turn your Bibles this morning to James chapter one. James chapter one, and put up a, a bookmark or a marker, a piece of paper, or something in there. And then turn to, because we will be over there in just a little bit. And then turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. That's where we're going to uh, start. I'm going to do something uh, a little bit different, a little bit unusual. I don't normally read a real long passage of scripture. But uh, I want to do that this morning. Uh, Looking across the uh, congregation this morning, I see... uh, Lots of faces that I recognize, a few faces that I don't recognize real well. But uh, to, to make sure that we get the context of what it is that we're going to look at, I'm going to actually read through two chapters. So please follow along. Don't just listen to me. Follow along to the reading of the Word of God as we go through so that... You understand and if you've been in church for any length of time you're gonna say oh well I know this story and you could probably repeat it back to me but for the children or for somebody who might be visiting that's not spent a lot of time in church uh, we're just gonna walk through this passage of Scripture I'm gonna make a, a handful of comments about the people that we find in the scripture Uh, in this passage we're going to find several characters we're going to see David the king we're going to see Uriah the soldier for God and also for the king we're going to see Bathsheba Uriah's wife Joab, who is uh, David's uh, captain of the army and one of his right-hand men, and then Nathan, the man of God or the prophet. So that's basically the people that we're going to look at that I will, after finish reading this, we will come back in and follow. Because it's a long passage, I'm not going to ask you to stand. But in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon." And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and, they, and there followed with him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. And when they told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Uh, when thou didst, uh, when th- why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark And Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As thou thou livest, and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day, And on the morrow when David had called him he did eat and drink before him and he made him drunk speaking of David doing that to Uriah and at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord but he went not down to his house and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah and he wrote in the letter saying set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew the valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and he charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the ward unto the king, and if and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he said to thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city, when when ye did fight? Knew ye not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerobesheth, Jerobesheth uh, did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou, thy servant Uriah is dead also. So the messenger went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent for him. And the messenger said unto David, surely the king, uh, surely the men prevailed against us and came out Unto us into the field, and we were upon them even unto the e- uh, entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from the wall upon thy servants, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab. Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle strong against the city, and overthrow it, encourage thou him. And When the wife of Uriah heard that her hus- Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So we already have several of the characters that we're going to look at here very shortly, but the story goes on. It doesn't end there. Uh, As you can tell or if you're familiar with the story, there's a price to pay for disobedience. There's a price to pay for sin. There's a price to pay for doing something wrong, sometimes it's evident right away. Sometimes the consequences show up immediately, but sometimes the consequences get postponed for just a little while. But God will judge sin. Chapter twelve, and the Lord sent unto Nathan, uh, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him. There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man who was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. That had to have been rather uncomfortable. It's much easier to stand behind the pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord, or to read a passage of scripture and apply it, but to walk face to face with somebody and confront them with their sin, to confront them with their disobedience, especially to go to the king and say, we're talking about you here. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel: I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives under thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of uh, Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have, I would more have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife." Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this thou hast given great occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall die, shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How then will, uh, how will he then vex himself? when we tell him that the child is dead. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, "Is the child dead?" And they said, "He is dead." Then David arose from the earth, and washed, and anointed himself, and changed his apparel. And came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then his servants then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread? And he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Father, I ask in these next few moments that we're gathered together here in the church house that you will guide my thoughts in my mouth that uh, the uh, things that you have uh, caused me to think on will make sense. We'll find lodging in the hearts of each individual that's here that's paying attention. Lord, may you use your word in our lives to cause us to love you even more. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jesus taught by types and a lot of pictures, uh, using himself. Uh, he talked about uh, the vine. He said, "I'm the true vine, and ye are the branches." Uh, Jesus spoke of Moses and the serpent. If, if uh, as it was lifted up, even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And uh, those that uh, looked upon the uh, on the uh, cross and the serpent. I guess it wasn't a serpent. Uh, it wasn't a cross, but it was, it was a serpent on a pole. Uh, that uh, he, that was an example a kind of a picture a, t- a type of him uh, he talked about Jonah being in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights and not how the son of man was going to end up in the belly of the earth for three days and a- so uh, they, they don't line up exactly and perfectly but he, that's what he used uh, he used uh, several times as he was teaching the people. Uh, sometimes he was very open about who he was and what it was he was doing. And sometimes he spoke in these and not in parables but in, in these uh, instances in types. Uh, so let's look, at the, uh, let's look at the people that uh, were in our uh, Bible account. First we see David the sinner. Back in uh, chapter 11 verse one, David stayed home when kings go forth to battle. There's times when we need to get up and go to battle. There's times when we need to be still and know that he is God. There's times who, that we need to pray, which is also a form of battle that a lot of times more can be accomplished through prayer than physical physical confrontation than verbal confrontation. We don't want to get physical confrontation, but verbal confrontation. But uh, we we have this aspect of going to battle, standing up for the Lord. In in such a time as this, I believe that God has raised up the church to stand up and say, wait a minute, stop! Whoa! You're making rules and laws that go contrary to our own constitution. We as Bible-believing Baptists not only want to follow the the Constitution, but God has given us a Bible to guide our life and to to make choices and decisions. So before you pass any more laws, before you come up with anything else, can we at least sit down and talk about this? Can we at least sit down and be part of the conversation? You're just on on your own coming up with these thoughts and ideas. Uh, I I think that uh, everybody, well, everybody to a certain extent, the leaders in the community should have a voice in the decisions that you're making for all of us. So there's a time to get up and go to battle and there's a time to stay home. Verse two, uh, he sees a woman, he goes out in the evening, it says eventide, I don't know what time that was, and David arose off his bed and he saw a woman washing and so he sees her bathing. There are, uh, there are times that you need to use some common sense. If you've got somebody who lives on a hill higher than you, you might want to be careful uh, one of the things that I enjoy doing we've got uh, we don't have a a large picture window but we have a, a bow window I enjoy watching the neighbors we don't we don't live in the country I cannot watch for the deer and the pheasants and the turkeys and everything that is just outside of town so I watch the neighbors and see what's going on with them that's always interesting <laughs> But he saw the woman bathing. Verse 4, he sent and took her. Verse 5, she sent and said, I'm with child. We've got a a situation here. Verse 6, David sends to Joab and says, you need to send Uriah the Hittite to me. He needs to come home for a little bit. David adds to his sin at the end of verse 8. It talks about he sends a mess of meat to the king, but he discovers that Uriah does not go home and eat. He stays outside the king's house. So what does David do? He adds to it. He says, you know what? Why don't you stick around for another day or two? and what? You can come and eat at my table. And... Uh, David plied him with wine to the place where Uriah got drunk. Uh, For us, that's a little bit foreign because we think of of Christians uh, not not drinking. It's a little bit different here in Old Testament times. It's a little bit different with the nation of Israel than it is with uh, believers today. When we get saved, we depart from a lot of the things from the world and there's Bible reasons for that, which uh, most of you know and we won't go into. But he he gets him drunk, trying to cover up what has taken place in Uriah's own home, trying to sweep it under the rug, as it were, trying to pretend like "Eh, it didn't really happen, but uh, we don't really want anybody to know, but I wanted you to go home so that it wouldn't look odd that your wife is pregnant And you haven't been in the house. He was trying to cover his sin. And we find Bathsheba here in the story. Sometimes, sometimes being a very beautiful, gorgeous woman has its disadvantages. Men notice, people notice, the world notices. There's advantages to not being the most beautiful person in the neighborhood or in the community or whatever. It comes with its own drawbacks. And uh, I, we don't, the Bible's very silent as to what Bathsheba uh, was like. I, I don't think she, to be quite honest, personally, I don't think she was out there flaunting herself. Uh, her husband's off to war, yes, but. Uh, I I think that she maybe was a somewhat private kind of person. Uh, For all I know, it was hot and sweaty and it was time to uh, take a bath. Now, why she's doing it on top of the roof, maybe it was just because it was cooler. I, I don't think that she was out there on purpose, hoping that somebody would see her. But that's what took place. Satan uses temptation and lust to catch men's eyes. And it doesn't take a lot to get for, us, for our eyes to be caught. As you hold your finger here, turn back to James chapter 1, where I had you put the marker in. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither Tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth Death. There's about to be a price paid for the sin that was done in secret. The next uh, character that we see here in, the, uh, in our Bible account is Uriah. The soldier, he ends up getting drunk because somebody's trying to hide the baby, but Uriah had character. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 11 there again. And Uriah said unto David, The ark in Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go into my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? I will not do this thing. Uh, Uriah was not only a soldier, but he was a, a man of character. He had not only concern for, uh, for, the, for, his, uh, for the king, but he had concern for the unit that he was serving with in the army. We see Joab, a captain and a leader. He was one of David's mighty men. He was one of David's right-hand men and a, a, a captain in his own right. Here's a captain and a leader that is told to do something wrong by an authority. How do we respond to that when somebody that's in authority over us at the workplace or somewheres along the way wants us to do wrong. There's a time to quietly say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. But Joab, wanting to stay on the king's good side, yields to the pressure and the temptation and follows what has been asked of him to do. And we come along here to chapter 12 and we find Nathan, the man of God and the servant of God, that eyeball to eyeball, face to face, probably not from one end of the room to another, but probably a little bit closer from me than to Pastor Dunbar says, you're the one, you're the man, you're the one in this story that I told about the lamb that was, that was taken and that was killed thou art the man he had boldness and he had courage just for standing up now I realize that God sent him but just for standing up to the king bringing the word of God to him and what's about to be proclaimed to him he could have gone to prison he could have lost his life, We find several times in the Old Testament where the prophet, the, the man of God, is sent to the king or to leaders and it cost them. Jeremiah ended up in prison for uh, several, uh, several days where he paid the price and we won't go any further than that. But uh, uh, just as Uriah had character, I see the boldness and courage of Nathan, the man of God. But the most important character... In this whole Bible account, we've not even looked at. It's the child. Look at, look at uh, verse 13 of chapter 12. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also put away thy sin. sin. Thou shalt not die. You can almost hear a sigh of relief. Whew. Man, I, I know what uh, some of the scripture in the Old Testament says about going into another man's wife. I, 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 I not only realize that this is a sin against my holy God, the one that I love, but I've sinned against a man. I've sinned against one of my own personal men. So he almost breathe, breathes a sigh of relief, but it doesn't end. It says... How be it because by this deed, though, it's given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also is born in thee. The child shall die. The innocent for the guilty. The innocent for the guilty. We can take and apply this uh, to us. David's very sorrowful, cries out to God, fasting and praying, begging God. He had he had other children. As a matter of fact, he had several other sons by this point. Uh, Solomon was one of the last sons born, and God was very gracious. If we would continue on reading there in. In uh, chapter 12, there in verse 24, it says, And David comforted Bathsheba's wife and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son. And he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. I mean, uh, the, the Lord takes that situation. You just sit there and scratch your heads. I, I have a hard time comprehending all this, that uh, the God who is going to allow David to live, the judgment's going to fall, and he's, gonna, he's actually going to see four of his own sons go against him. But God blesses the union of Bathsheba and David, Solomon's bornesses, and, and, and the Lord loved him. The goodness and graciousness of God. Even when we come after and say, Lord, I have sinned and, and uh, I deserve punishment, I will take whatever it is that you mete out to me. I prefer that it come from your hand and not the hand of man. But I deserve what I get. David uh, sorrowful cries out to God, fasting and praying, begging he had other, he had other children. The servants are so afraid to go into David because he's so distraught, as we see there in uh, verses uh, uh, 18 and 19 going on there that they said. <laughs> Boy, a child dies. What, what are we going to say? I mean, if he's this upset, we've never seen him like this before. Seven days laying there fasting. Now, I don't know whether he was on the ground all seven days, but he, the first day he was on the ground fasting and praying, and they tried to get him up and he said, Look, just leave me, just leave me here. He was getting his heart right with God. He was confessing his sin, but there's still a consequence. There's still a price to be paid. But after seven days, David has fasted all that time, hoping that God would be gracious unto him and maybe the situation would change. The Lord took the baby. The Lord took the baby. Verse 14, there's a word at the very beginning. It says, how be it. We don't use it very often in today's vernacular, howbeit, it means but or instead, instead of, the child is dying in his place. It's David's fault. There's no real mention of what the sickness or disease was, but the Lord took the baby. I don't know if it was a congenital heart disease. I don't know if it was some minor plague or something that he picked up. I, I, the Bible is very silent. It just says there at the end of verse 15, he, it was very sick. But just above that it says, the Lord struck the child. God the Father was the one that determined that the child was going to pay the price for David's sin. Again, the innocent the guilty. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He came into this world because of sin. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19, 10. A baby was born in Bethlehem because of sin. Not to come to heal people, not to feed people, not to do miracles, a baby was born in Bethlehem because of our sin to die in our place. We enjoy the stories, the Bible accounts in the New Testament of of the healings that took place. The miracles of, one of my favorite Bible accounts is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men women and children. Just a, not necessarily just to show uh, that he can do it again. He, he feeds, feeds 4,000. Uh, I, I love reading about uh, how he healed people. Uh, as he's going down the street, here comes the, the woman with her with her only son. And Jesus stops, stops the whole thing. Raises up the child. Enjoy reading how he touched the blind man's eyes and uh, one of the blind men saw immediately another one. He, he touched his eyes and, and uh, the man says, I see men as trees walking. Now why there wasn't a complete healing there, I'm not sure. I'm not going to go into that detail. But Jesus touches him again. He says, because uh, he said, I see men as trees walking. And then he says, I see all things clearly. I love the the, the story, the Bible account of the of the man who was they tore up the roof. I, I love destruction. I'm not, I don't really enjoy construction. Uh, I've given you a couple of destruction stories that, that I've had over the years. It's always uh, interesting. But how the man, take up thy bed and walk. Uh, I, I'm often wondering if when the guy took up his bed, which I think was the cot, kind of folded it up under his arm, if he actually went down leaping and jumping and praising God as he went. But that's not why Jesus came. That's not why he came as a baby. It was because of sin. The child was innocent. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Those that work with Jesus knew him. Many of them for all 33 of his years knew that he was sinless, born of a virgin. He was the innocent lamb that he taught about. What did the child do? What? did the child do? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Nathan said unto David, You're going to live, but the baby's going to die in your place. My sin, my sin, caused the baby It was born Bethlehem to die. The baby's life was taken so a sinner could be saved. Jesus laid down his life. That was the reason he came to die for sinners. Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sometimes I, as I talk with young people, they're, they're a little bit more honest than adults are. And I'll say, have you ever sinned? Well, sometimes you have to explain that. Usually you can get to it right away by saying, have you ever told a lie? Uh, does a white lie? There, okay. there are levels of lies. I, I used to say uh, all lies are the same. Well, they're not. If you look at the, the Bible, talks about transgressions and sins and in a way, there are big sins and little sins. But uh, uh, a, a why a lie, a little white lie. Do I? Does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> Please don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> but I would venture to say, unless you're under the age of three, and yet you can't even trust those little guys. We've all told at least one lie. Some of us have been very good at telling whoppers. (laughs) Where where does that come from? Well, that was a whopper. That was a big one that I just made up. (laughs) David fasted for seven days begging God, saying, It's my fault. It's my fault. Please don't let the baby die. Don't let the baby die because of my sin. Please God, could it be that we have this whole account, David's open life in front of us, just to see the picture of the innocent dying for the guilty? Jesus never used this as an example, but I can see how he very well could have uh, used it. Verses 19. Look at verses uh, 19 and. 20. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto the servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel, came into the house, uh, into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He cleans himself up, gets, uh, gets all fixed up and he goes over to the, to, uh, the house, thanking God That God let him live, but someone else died in his place. And he carried that with him the rest of his life. I have sin in my past that I carry with me. It's been forgiven. The Lord's forgotten it but there's sin that I did in the past that I carry with me and will all the way until I go to my long home. Verse 21, And the servant said unto him, What is this thing that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was was alive, But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious unto me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back? I shall shall go to him. I shall go to him. When I die, when I take my last breath, I'm going to end up in paradise. I'm going to end up in eternity. I'm going to end up in heaven. And one of the first things I'm going to see is my substitute the one who died for my sin. Now I don't think he's just thinking here of the baby, how much understanding he knew of a promised Messiah coming to take away the sin, but I can see it very clearly from where I stand, being in the New Testament time, having the uh, completed scriptures, and how our last breath here, when we step into eternity, We're going to see our substitute. The baby that grew up and put himself on the cross for my sin. What will change your life is when you realize somebody died for you. I think. Far too many times we get into this casual Christianity even in our good independent Baptist churches we come we look forward to the fellowship we enjoy the excellent singing this morning I love we start out with two songs about being redeemed uh, I haven't been down south but I was about ready to raise my hand and give a shout but I didn't want to scare anybody thank you Lord for opening up my understanding what it is that you did. I, I, had, I had all the information. It just wasn't organized for me to realize that he died not just for the sins of the whole world. But he died because of my sin. And that was that personal relationship with him. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. When we really get a hold of that someone died For you, I think he'll cause us to be a little bit more sober in church, a little bit more appreciative. I I, I thank you for the the song this morning. If you wouldn't have started tearing up, I was tearing up. When we stop and think of what God has done for us, how gracious, how merciful, how good he's been to us time after time after time. And it's not because after we got saved we lived in sinless perfection. We still have ourselves. We still have our flesh. We still have sin that we need to come and confess, whether it be at the altar or at your home. We still need to do business With God, because we are not perfect. It'll change your life. It'll stir your heart. It'll cause you to pay closer attention to the preaching of the Word of God. It should cause you to sit up and pay attention, even when we're just reading, just reading some accounts of somebody else's life in the Old Testament, much less the things that Jesus taught. God sent him into the world that we could be saved. Somebody died for you. Romans 3.23. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift. He could have he just punished us. Every one of us Could have been caught in our sin. Could have been caught before we got saved. Slipped off in eternity. And where where would we be? In hell. Burning forever. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a little chorus that I heard recently. I haven't learned the tune. And as you've Listen to me. You know that I, I don't really sing that well. But I've been trying to I've been trying to learn it. It, it goes like it, the, the title of it is "Someone Died for You." It goes like this: Jesus, uh, excuse me, just breaks my heart to see you this way, struggling along day after day. You don't have to live in sin and despair. There's someone who knows, someone who cares, somebody died for you laid down his life for you someone cried in love to his father above not my will but thine for you he was crucified for you in all in all what a price for you what a price he took his call he gave his all somebody died for you I wish there were words that I might could say to bring you to Jesus and show you the way but all of my words the tears that I cry they won't get you to heaven till you realize that somebody died for you laid down his life for you someone cried in love to his father above not my will but thine for you He was crucified for you, in all what a price for you. He took his call, he gave his all, somebody died for you. Just like David said, I can go to be with him. Have you trusted Christ as your savior? If you have, have you stopped and thought about the price that was paid. the price that was paid for us to be able to gather together, to sing the songs designed, to, to sing about redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, to give testimony about the goodness of God and how He's met needs, how he's taken care of, how he's gone over and above, beyond anything that we could ever want or think. not only provides our needs, he's provided our wants. He's given us a good church. He's given us a completed scripture to be able to read. I can't. Uh, he can't come to me, but I can go with him. Second Peter 3.9. He was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Everyone standing, heads bowed, eyes closed. Lord, I hope the message has been clear. I hope it's been plain. Lord, would you work on someone's heart that maybe has not trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior to say, Pastor, or somebody invited you, would you you open up the Bible and show me how I can... Have my sins forgiven? It's not just going to heaven. It's having our sins forgiven. Lord, for those of us who are believers, may we stop and pause for just a moment and realize the innocent died for the guilty. I killed a sinless baby who became a man. I put him on the cross. He died for me. As the organ begins to play, as the pastor comes, if you need to do business with God, if you need to get saved, if you need to confess sin, if you want to just come down and thank him, for his goodness and his mercy that he's imparted to you for opening up your understanding. Now's the time to come down and say, thank you, Lord.